Stand by. We'll be right back. Gentlemen, start your engines. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our guest segment. I'm super excited to have him with us for the first time. The book is Joe Biden Unauthorized, and I found the book to be fascinating, and it's a fair book. Um, it's not a hit piece on Joe Biden. It, it really is not. And um, the book is written by Mike McCormick and my producer is working on getting Mike on the line. And uh, if I can mention to you, uh, Joy, in the other room, if you just text me Mike's number, I can call him from the studio directly if he's having trouble getting through to me here. Uh, just text me his phone number. I'll initiate the call on this end so that we can get Mike on the line. Uh, but in any case, Mike McCormick is here. And uh, Mike was a stenographer working inside the the uh, White House. He worked under several presidents. And so he had an opportunity to work directly with Joe Biden and get to know him as a person uh, and was around him enough. And the book gets into a lot, including Hunter Biden, including Burisma, uh, all of that. And I'm again, I'm just again going to mention to my producer, if you're listening, uh, you can text me uh, Mike's phone number, please. And I will initiate the outbound call here uh, from the studio. If you can uh, provide me with Mike's phone number, please text that to me and we can initiate the uh, call directly to Mike here from the studio. Uh, we're just waiting for that phone number. Okay, hold on one second. We're gonna we're gonna call him from here. All right, all right. We will initiate the call from here. Hello, is Mike? Hey, Mike. This is Jim Parrish. You're live on the show. Hey, Jim. Great. Great to call. Great to hear from you. Thank you. All right. No worries. Uh, I know you're having trouble getting into our switchboard, but I called you. So all is good. Um, I loved your I love the book. Let me tell you the thing I love. Great. Let me tell you what I love most about it. I think you were very fair in this book. I think it would have been easy. I understand that you uh, are, are, are someone who's a conservative yourself. You voted for Trump. All that being the case. Um, this is how news used to be. People would actually report information and report the whole story. And this book rings with the truth because it's not just all negative. Uh, part of this book makes you want to like Joe Biden, uh, especially the speech that you talk about in the book. And and not everything in the book is negative about Joe Biden. I think it's very fair. How important was it to you to uh, to approach it from that standpoint? 
Well, thanks for saying that, Jim. I really appreciate it. And and just so your audience knows, the name of the book is Joe Biden Unauthorized and the 2020 Crackup of the Democratic Party. Uh, it's based on my uh, six years as his stenographer. I was a stenographer in the White House press office for a span of 15 years. So I worked for President um, Bush, and I worked for President Obama, and I worked for President Trump, actually, for a year. So I got to see the sort of the span of it all. And my job in the White House press office as a stenographer was to record events that the president or the vice president did, and they had to have an official transcript. And so I would be in the room with them, on the plane with them sometimes. I was in Ukraine with Joe Biden. I was in Russia with Joe Biden. And, you know, because I worked for President Bush and President uh, Obama and President Trump, I sort of had a neutral perspective. And But what I also saw was a lot of the times that the press didn't have a neutral perspective. So that was one of the reasons why I really wanted to portray fairly, but also accurately. And I really appreciate you saying that about the fairness, because I hear that from a lot of people. And, you know, I started writing it for reasonable people, because I just think that you know, if you read the the uh, introduction, it's it's for reasonable Americans, and I think there's been so much misinformation through journalism over the last that I saw in the span of that time, that those 15 years in the White House, and it got so bad, it's it just erupted in the year 2020 with our election. It's it's almost corrupt. And I'm, so I'm holding up I'm holding up your book for those watching us on the video feed. And then the video replay will go out on all of our platforms during the week and be rebroadcast multiple times. Uh, but this book, you can get it on Amazon, right? Because we're only going to scratch the surface tonight. I want people to get the book. It's fascinating. This book, they can get it at Amazon. Is that right? They can get it at Amazon. They can buy it on my website, www.joebidenunauthorized.com. And if you buy it off the website, I donate 10% to the National Law Enforcement Officers, Officers Memorial Fund because blue lives matter, blue families matter. And, and you know, I think over the, 20, the year 2020, I think the Democratic Party has lost the concept of law and order. They're just not a law and order party anymore. Right. People have to stand up for, for our blue lives families. So that's my small way. But, yes, www.joebidenunauthorized.com is the website. And um, that's great that you're holding it up. And I really appreciate you, you know, enjoying the book. Um, I tried to write this, the real Joe Biden there. You know, he's not a, I actually, some people kind of want it to be a hit job book. And I don't think that's reasonable. I don't think reasonable people want that. And I think there's so much divisiveness in our politics right now. That's part of it is that you, you either get one or the other. And you don't get somebody who sort of has a middle-of-the-road view that says, you know, A was good, but B was bad. And then there's, you know, he did A and he did B. And, right. you know, you've got to make your decision. Now, let's... Which part of the book did you like that? Well, I liked, I liked just this, the contrast of you... Uh, being fair, uh, the speech that you talked about, but I have to be honest, uh, <laughs> call me, you know, a, a guy looking for controversy. I wanted to, to, to start up. I want to get into the Hunter Biden stuff. That was probably my, the most fascinating to me, but I wanted to, before we even get into that, I wanted you to explain what is a stenographer? Because 
as I understand it from the book, I mean, you're in the room, the same room where he's with Putin. You're in the same room. Uh, you know, you're in the vice president's office during various meetings. This is not like you're sourcing this from second and third, uh, you know, generations of the information. You're right there in the room as the stenographer. What is a stenographer in terms of working inside the White House? That's a great question. Um, there is, you know, it's it, when I started in the White House in 2002, I worked, worked for a contracting company. We were contractors. And I was a contractor uh, with that company, worked for the Bush administration until about 2007, and then uh, left. 2009, I, I got a job in Richmond, was doing like communications for a nonprofit, left there in the downturn, lost the job, came back to the White House in 2010. And stayed till 2018. And the job of the stenographer is to, whenever the president or the White House press secretary, right now it's um, Jen Psaki, and I worked with her in the, in the Obama White House, and frankly, I don't think she's doing a very good job right now for Joe Biden. I don't think Joe Biden's doing a good job. We can talk about that in a bit. But was to sit in the room with her and record not only what she said, but what the press said. So they had to get the accuracy of the questions that were asked of the president. So, yes, when I traveled abroad with Vice President Biden, I was in the room with him in, in a meeting that Vladimir Putin basically publicly humiliated him. And no one. Back so are you like a are you like a court reporter then, Mike? Like you're actually do you have one of those little boxes where you're typing all that out? Is that what you're doing? Yes, a court reporter is exactly what we we're doing, but we didn't use the little boxes. We used literally, um, when I started, it was cassette tapes. We used cassette tapes. Then they started using digital recorders. We would walk into a room with, say, Vladimir Putin and, and Joe Biden with a recorder. I'd have a recorder, a digital recorder, and a microphone. And I'd record everything that was said. I had to be really fast on my feet to get to the right place, to get close to the the people said my audio was clear. And then when they told us to leave, we left. And then I'd go and I'd put that into a, a computer and I'd type it into the official transcript and email it. And the big uh, requirement of the job was to be very accurate and very fast. So I had to be able to get the audio recorded accurately and then have it typed up very quickly. And, you know, some, I was typing on planes. I was typing in the back of vans, all kinds of places all over the world. Uh, we did stuff in China with Vice President Biden and, um, you know, I was in Air Force One with presidents, too. You know, I uh, flew to Iraq with uh, Vice President Biden and Vice President Cheney. So, you know, when you go with the vice president, you have to go into the war zones. <laughs> so you're uh, like a, the you're the pro, you're the proverbial like fly on the wall in, in all these meetings. And I love the fact that this is first person. Uh, reporting. Now, this will help you and me to start out maybe with something that, you know, chronologically isn't necessarily the order of the book. But um, I listened to some interviews you've done and I've read the book and I want to talk about uh, Hunter Biden to begin with. And yeah. I want to start right out of the box with the fact that uh, you have gone to the FBI with information right. that you uh, have about Hunter Biden and the whole laptop deal. And this is something I have not seen reported. And I'm just curious, 
A, what you told the FBI and B, are they still involving you in the investigation or can you not talk about that? So that's a great question. So um, I wrote the book. I completed it just about a year ago. At this point, a year ago, if you remember, if we all remember back that far, it seems like so long ago, Donald Trump had just been impeached and then he beat the impeachment in the Senate. And to me, that was just pivotal in history. I couldn't believe it because I had, I had been to Ukraine with Vice President Biden. And when I started looking into the details of what he did in Ukraine, I realized there was a lot more to the story than the media was talking about. And I found some records in, in White House visitor logs that made me really suspicious of what really happened. When And so to answer your question about the FBI, what did I tell them? I not only told the FBI in June of 2020, so last June, the Senate committee was investigating the Hunter Biden money laundering. I sent every member of that uh, committee a, a copy of the book. Never heard back. Hmm. Didn't uh, didn't hear back. I sent it to the Republicans. I sent it to the Democrats. Kamala Harris was on that committee, and I never heard back. And then in the fall, I tried to get the word out. Finally, started getting getting up into some media. By the time the election came, the reporting on Hunter Biden's laptop had come out, and that was an eye opener for me because that validated a lot of what I had, had said. Everybody up until the point I came out with this book in March was basically accepting Joe Biden's uh, explanation that he never had anything to do with his son's business in Ukraine. And what I found and what I put together in the book is the timeline shows to me, in my, in my opinion, and I think facts could back this up if they were investigated. They haven't been yet. Maybe they will. That Joe Biden installed Hunter Biden into the board of Burisma. During a trip, he took to Poland in March 2014. In April 2014, he there was a series of meetings in the White House that were very suspicious, including one between Obama and his senior advisors that didn't include Joe Biden, intentionally, I believe. The very next morning, one of those senior advisors, David Axelrod, went to a one-on-one -on -one meeting with Joe Biden in the Naval Observatory. And to me, that was really indicative. Four hours after that meeting, because and it was indicative because Axelrod doesn't like Biden. They didn't like each other. There's a sort of misinformation uh, out there that there was this big, happy family in the Obama administration. That really wasn't the case. Axelrod and some of those senior advisors didn't trust uh, Biden. He was always running his side deals, and this Ukraine thing was a side deal. So four hours after Axelrod has this one-on-one -on -one meeting, that is uh, April 16th, 2014, Joe Biden meets with Devin Archer, the business partner of Hunter Biden, in his West Wing office. And four hour, four days later, he's on his way to Ukraine with this energy security package that included Burisma Holdings. And within days, Hunter and um, Devin Archer were getting, you know, payoffs from Burisma Holdings. And the worst part to me, that really jumped out as I was working on this book about a year ago, I realized that Joe Biden had gone to Cyprus in 2014, in May. So right after he goes to Ukraine, he goes to Cyprus. Well, Cyprus is where Burisma Holdings launders their dirty money. 
Hmm. Joe Biden did a trip there, and no one ever asked about it. No one asked him about it. They didn't put two and two together. They didn't put this timeline. They didn't put the timeline together of Biden in Poland with and what he did there is he met with a guy named Alexander Kwasniewski. And Hunter Biden would later admit that Alexander Kwasniewski was the guy. Actually, excuse me. I don't know if he met with Alexander Kwasniewski in Poland. That's my suspicion. He he could have. He had access to him. He's an old family friend. My What I say in the book is he could have talked to him on the ground in Poland. He could have called him on the phone beforehand and said, hey, I'm going to Poland. I'm going to be talking about Ukrainian energy security. Aren't you with Burisma Holdings? And at that time, Kwasniewski was. They were old family friends. To me, it was just a no-brainer that Joe Biden would have said, hey, Hunter's looking for something. Why don't you hook him up? It was just basically a quid pro quo. And so this, then he goes to Cyprus in May, and that's where they have their dirty money. And who knows what he did there? That's the questions that were never asked. And in the book, in the book, Mike, you've got a timeline of this. And and I think that, uh, you know, whether it's the media not covering this very well or people having short attention spans, um, you know, my view on it is at a minimum, at a minimum, this was a huge, huge conflict of interest. Uh, regardless of what happened, this is something that in government, you just don't do this. You're not the vice president and you're put in charge of a relationship, uh, with Ukraine. And then your own son is, gets this position. It just looks terrible. And even if you don't connect all the dots that anything criminal happened, it certainly is an appearance that you don't want. And I believe it's your uh, position that if we connect the dots on that, that that's why there was sort of why Joe Biden was the the outsider in in the White House. Uh, maybe why we heard recently that he had never once been invited up to the residence uh, with Obama. Uh, this notion that O'Biden, uh, O'Biden, Obama and Biden were these close buddies uh, that narrative has completely fallen apart when we found out he's never once been up to the residence. But this it was this kind of thing, uh, him uh, freelancing with these side deals that alienated him from uh, Obama, including probably why Obama waited till the very last minute to support him uh, in the presidential election. Is, is that your view? Yeah, that's what I think. That's why I think there was such hesitance around the Biden candidacy. I mean, if you go back and look at what David Axelrod was saying about Joe Biden's candidacy in the summer of 2019, the fall of 2019, as they're going through this series of um, debates in the Democratic Party, he was he was antagonistic towards Joe Biden's candidacy. But then all of a sudden, a year ago, COVID hits. And everything goes dark as far as no one hears about Joe Biden. And then it gets really, I mean, frankly, I'm very suspicious about what happened. And when the Hunter Biden laptop came out, it validated what I was saying about um, the Burisma, the Ukrainian stuff. But it really opened people's eyes as to what was going on with China. And there was a couple, I sort of touched base with Joe Biden in China. We went there a couple times. As I've looked back at what I've seen occurred in the 2020 election, 
interference. I think China had a big hand in this election interference. I think China had a big hand in uh, massaging Joe Biden into the position to win that election. And I think, you know, they may have had a big hand in uh, in the responsibility of this virus. I don't know if it was intentional, but they certainly it certainly evolved into the perfect storm for Joe Biden to become their candidate. And when people talk about China, Joe, they're right on. He is so tied in with China. It's disgusting. Now, you were on that I flight. Mean, you were on Air Force Two uh, with Hunter Biden, who had recently been kicked out of the Navy for drugs. You're on the same flight with Hunter Biden and Joe Biden that goes to China and then Hunter Biden comes back with one point five billion dollar commitment uh, or one point. How much was it? Millions, not billions. No, I think it was. I think it, was it was billions. billions. It, it, one, know, it was one point yeah, five billion a uh, hedge yeah. fund deal. And that's where this whole uh, Tony Bobolisky uh, came out with all of this as well. But you were first person. You were on that flight. Is that right? I was on that flight. Um, I talked about it, you know, and, and the thing is, I didn't have a lot of, um, I didn't run across the internal documentation on China that I did in Ukraine. So my depth of reporting there, uh, isn't the same, but what I've done since then is, it, I mean, literally Joe Biden has put people as president into the white house who were up to their eyeballs in working with China. In working with Ukraine, Tony, Tony Blinken, our secretary of state now, which I would call him the secretary of swamp, is a guy who was knee deep in helping Joe Biden nail down these deals, whether it was China or Ukraine or Cyprus. And it's just awful that they're in the position of being in charge of these these uh, federal agencies now. And Joe Biden is, you know, the president of the United States. And frankly, I don't think they have a lot of. Um, I mean, if you look at the actions he's taken since coming in, he's been very deferential to China. He's been very deferential to Iran and Russia. Going out and canceling the Keystone Pipeline it basically raised the price of oil about $20, $20 a barrel. Since, it's, since he became president, it's gone up about $20 a barrel. That is perfect for Iran. That's a billion-dollar uh, you know, offering to them just because all of a sudden the price of oil is higher. They benefit from that. So does Putin. And our, our our country, we're losing jobs and we're losing, uh, you know, stature in the in the oil patch. And that's Joe Biden's doing. It's like, you know, who's he working for? It's just crazy. So the book that I have begins to show you the development of the corruption that Joe Biden is capable of. And there's a big chapter in there about what he did with uh, um Northern Triangle countries, Honduras, El Salvador, and Guatemala. And, you know, I was listening to President Trump's speech at CPAC. He went on, he went on at length about what he had to do with those countries to get them to stop sending their, um, refugees towards us. And he talked about, you know, in the speech, he said, I was, we were giving them $500 million a year. Well, that was a Joe Biden pet project. It was called the Alliance for Prosperity. And the government he was giving it to in Honduras specifically was aligned with cartels. The president's brother 
Juan Orlando Hernandez at the present, his brother, Tony Hernandez, was was convicted just about a year ago, October 2019, of like massive uh, importation of cocaine, 200,000 kilos of cocaine into America between 2005 and 2018. That's just a huge number. And the DEA was examining him the whole time. And while he was doing that, Joe Biden was funneling him $500 million of American taxpayer money to promote justice and anti-corruption measures in Honduras. And it didn't work. They just kept sending people. Yeah, to yeah, that's doing it all over again. <laughs> yeah, that, that was not going to work. Know? That was that was insanity. It's insanity. Now, I want to go back, though, and ask you about the FBI. Um, what whatever. Oh, okay. So when you talk to the FBI and you said, hey, here's information, um, you know, what exactly did you tell them? And did they seem interested at all? I found it fascinating that they had that laptop for a year, according to what I understand. And they had that laptop during impeachment, which impeachment was about the very stuff on that laptop. And I also find it fascinating that we're still not hearing anything more about what was on that right. laptop and, and whether there's an indictment or, or a trial coming for all of these money laundering and, and all of these foreign agent without registering, all these things that supposedly are percolating. And all we're hearing about is uh, a, a book coming out called A Beautiful Thing or something like that that's coming out in a month or two. Uh, I'm wondering w- whether this is going to be buried completely. But uh, tell me about the FBI specifically. I'm fascinated. Well, that's why I called them. So on the, uh, I'm looking at the way the news is developing around the laptop. They're stifling it. The mainstream media is stifling it. And right before the election, the Monday before the election, I called the FBI tip line. I was a witness. So, I, you know, and this is also in the aftermath of Tony Bobulinski going out and going public. I was like, well, he got an interview with the FBI. They should hear what I have to say about Hunter Biden. So I called him up and I told him about the book. I told him I sent this book to the Senate. And, you know, it was a recorded call. It was just a young woman who answered the call. She took the, took my information. I basically told her the stuff that was in the book. And I told her a couple things that I didn't put in the book. I'm not going to say on the radio. I want to keep it behind the scenes with the FBI. Because if it does, if it does get to a point where there's an investigation, I think it'd be good if it was, um, you know, something they could use in their investigation. Right. Fair enough. Basically, I told them, you know, this is these, there were these meetings. There was a meeting in Poland. There was a meeting in the White House with these guys. Then there was a travel to Cyprus. And at the time, um, actually not at that time, about a month after I called the FBI, there was a weird video that made it out onto the internet. Uh, it was making the rounds on the internet. It was basically, it was hard to tell if it was accurate media or if it was Russian disinformation. It was hard to tell. But basically, it was a press conference put on by members of the Ukrainian parliament. And they had done an investigation and they had an informant who you couldn't see his face. He sort of had his voice doctored. And he was talking about the Biden corruption that he was a part of that was run out of um oh not Estonia, Latvia. Well Joe Biden went to Latvia in twenty sixteen. So 
you know, Joe Biden went to Latvia where this guy says there was money laundering that was part of this money laundering program they were doing. Joe Biden was in Poland. Joe Biden was in Ukraine and Joe Biden was in Cyprus where the end result was where all of Burisma got all their money. And those things are all facts. They were, I mean, I was on trips with him to these places and nobody really connected the dots and the American media didn't connect the dots. And I didn't even realize Latvia was a part of it until this, this uh, video came out. So I don't know if it's, like I say, it wasn't reported in American media. It's hard to tell who knows about it or what. Yeah, know, what it, it is of, interesting, though, because accuracy there is because we yeah. know we know from Biden's tax returns that right away there was millions and millions of dollars uh, coming into him. We know from the laptop, the 50 50 split deal is disclosed. The quote unquote big guy is disclosed. I, you know, I don't even want to use the word smoking gun because it doesn't really fairly describe all of that. Um, you know, you could, it sounds like this is an open and shut case, uh, in one episode of Perry Mason with commercials. Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't know what, you know, number one, how the FBI could justify holding this laptop, which was specifically exculpatory evidence that would have helped Trump during impeachment. I don't know how they can continue to slow walk this, how we we, we still don't know anything about this. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's 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 fascinating it, and it's out there. And we had everyone from, you know, Twitter to the mainstream media suppressing this laptop story, right. even though immediately you could tell it was credible information, unless you want to believe that somebody photoshopped all of these pictures of Hunter Biden. I mean, that it was his actual laptop. You could confirm that multiple ways. You could confirm it by the witness of the repairman at the computer shop who, who, you know, explained where the laptop came from. Uh, just bizarre. And, and you just wonder, uh, how, how do you think Biden got elected? I mean, obviously with that being suppressed, but you know, I, I, I scratch my head some days and I think, how did this guy go through the primaries? In the beginning, he was a train wreck. He like came in last in the polls, the first two or three debates. Um, and I don't know how he ended up winning. Uh, he wasn't drawing the crowds. He didn't seem to have uh, much charisma. Uh, then during the campaign, you know, you wonder how he won the election, if he, if he even did. I know uh, those numbers are still being questioned. But how did he win the primary up against Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, uh, Cory Booker, people that would seem to have been able to knock him off easily? And especially with the the specter of Obama holding back his endorsement of his own vice president, which which kind of said a lot without saying anything. Yeah, I mean, you know, to the to the primary question, he he just he was a he was running a fourth a fading fourth. All of a sudden, he goes down to South Carolina and turn it around one place. And you know, he has had over the years, he has had a lot of Senate um, through his Senate contacts. He knew South Carolina was a big big win for him. He had to really pull it out, and he did. But I personally think there was some shenanigans down there. And I, you know, I worked in the White House for uh, the election night 2004 for President Bush, election night 2012 
for uh, President Obama. We stayed overnight. Our my job was to stay late until the president finished his. If there was a late night, uh, ex, you know, um, speech that you know I I win the victory speech, then we had to stay there and make sure that we got that as, as the official transcript. We had to do it right away. So I was there late at night. They never stopped counting. 2016, I was at home. We didn't have, it wasn't Obama getting reelected. It was Trump. He was outside of the White House. So I didn't have to go into the White House for it. And they stopped counting at about 1.30 for a little while. And then they called the election and uh, Clinton conceded. But this election, they stopped counting. Everybody went home. That's never happened in my experience. And it's just, to me, I think, you know, President Trump was out there in front of CPAC saying it was rigged. I agree with him 100%. And what he said was, you know, they changed the laws. The, the legislatures in a lot of these swing states should have been the deciding bodies that said these mail-in ballots are acceptable and these aren't. And it wasn't the legislative bodies. It was local politicians and local judges made those calls. Yeah, bureaucrats did that. that. Was, but what you're saying is fascinating, Mike, which I, I'm with you on this. I wonder if the primaries weren't rigged. We almost know for a fact the primaries were rigged for Hillary when Hillary won. Right. And um, it seems like uh, Bernie Sanders uh, fills this role of sort of the guy that takes the dive and doesn't complain because he's able to go out and buy a couple of new houses after the fact. Um, you know, not that I would want a Bernie Sanders in there any more than I would want a Joe Biden in there. But um, it seems like the primary itself makes no sense. And then the election even makes less sense. Am I uh, misreading you that you think that Joe Biden probably wasn't legitimately the winner, uh, would not have won the primary unless something funny business was going on there? I mean, exactly a year ago, the guy who is now the president of the United States wasn't close in. He was not even close in Iowa, New Hampshire and or in uh, Nevada. Not close. Those yeah. three, and, you know, a year ago, that was just a year ago. And it wasn't until the first weekend of March in uh, a year ago that all of a sudden he turned around, the greatest amazing turnaround. It was so, I mean, to me, frankly, it just makes me sick thinking of how, when I looked at how all the evidence that was presented by people that swore affidavits, that testified in front of committees, and heard people saying, I went to go vote and somebody had already cast a vote for me. I mean, it's just it's yeah, so many stories. Yeah, so so many stories. But this brings me to to my 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 really my big question for the night. Um, I have heard so many people say, uh, look, you know, Biden's not going to be so bad. He's not as far left as a lot of, you know, these other people like uh, Kamala Harris and uh, and so forth. He He's not going to take us, you know, that far. He Biden is a moderate. You know, I hear a lot of people, you know, who said that before Biden got in office. Then what is it? It's like, you know, 45 executive orders, you know, uh, boys are in girls sports. And I mean, you know, we're right. we're opening up the borders. We're stopping the, the fence being built uh, all. Of, I mean, just the, as far left as you could possibly go, which makes me wonder if Biden is really the president, and I don't mean that like in a conspiratorial sense that Disney built like an animatronic Biden that is coming out to speak to us. 
I'm wondering why he seems so pliable and so willing to go along with things that historically, I mean, you worked with the man directly. Is he an off the deep end liberal like we're seeing him acting uh, as if he is at this time? So the, the chapter that you liked was the Joe Biden speech chapter. Yes. The, the man who is our president is not that Joe Biden. He is not capable of being that Joe Biden ever again. He's severely diminished. I think he's, his mental acuity is severely diminished than what he was in 2016. The last time I worked for him was 2017. And, I mean, he's really slowed down, I'd say, over the last two years. And I'd say you're going to see him go slower and slower. And I, and I really hate to say this, but I fear this is true. I think the Democrats are pushing on the idea that we have to stay in this lockdown status. We have to stay in this, this, uh, state, keep people away from, um, each other status to protect him for a while longer. I don't think he's ever going to leave the country for a one-on-one -on -one meeting with a foreign leader. He's already talked about having uh, virtual G G7 meetings in June. And I don't think when he does those, he does those uh, alone. He's got people whispering in his ear. He may have Kamala Harris there. I think she's doing a lot of world leader calls right now because they're trying to get her worked into the rotation. And I think that he is, when he does goes and does a speech now, He's reading it almost verbatim right off a teleprompter. And that's not the Joe Biden I used to work for. One of the things that was very hard about my job was I worked for Joe Biden, and he would go on and on and just off the cuff and never read a speech and make a joke about how he never read a speech off the teleprompter. And that's not him anymore. So, yes, we have a guy in there who's the president. I don't know. I, I, I think Barack Obama and the people that he surrounded himself with are in charge of the presidency. And I think they're keeping a close tabs on what Joe Biden does. And I think Joe Biden basically has very little say in, you know, uh, of the, the grand direction of his presidency. I think he has a say in some things here and there, but he is severely limited in being a president. This is the worst president we've had in our lifetimes. Yeah, no it's doubt. Un it's unbelievable. It's and Mike, unbelievable. what I'm going to do gonna now is I'm going to I'm going to open up the phone lines, uh, give folks a chance to uh, ask you a couple of questions. If you're watching on the video feed, I just put the phone number up on the screen. It's in the lower corner of the screen. Six, four, six, seven, one, six, four, zero, four, one. For those listening on the audio feed, you're welcome to call in six, four, six, seven, one, six. 4041. I'm also taking questions by email, jim at christianmoney.com, jim at christianmoney.com. Any questions tonight for Mike McCormick? The book again is Joe Biden unauthorized. I'm going to hold it up again here on the video feed. Um, you can get it through his website, which again, uh, Mike, give us the website again for people who want to get it directly from you. Then part of the proceeds goes to law enforcement. Can they get it signed as well if they buy it through your website? Yeah, I, I they buy it through the website. It's a signed copy. And uh, there's the website is www.joebidenunauthorized.com. And I give 10% of all website sales to the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund. You know, and that's part of what the Democrat Party isn't anymore, is law and order. They just can't be that 
party anymore. It's just, it's absolutely shocking. That's Joe Biden used to be a law and order guy. He's not that, the Democratic Party isn't that party anymore. Yeah, that's strange. Like when the two, when the two F, when the two FBI agents were killed uh, here in Florida and he came out and said, well, I haven't called the families and I don't plan on calling them today, which was kind of a bizarre thing to say. And then he said, by and large, the FBI agents are good people. He had to sort of qualify that. Uh, yeah, that's not the old Joe Biden. That was all for law enforcement. This question's coming in. It's one I was going to get to eventually here. Uh, but this question coming in from a listener in Dallas, Texas, they want to know as a person, what is Joe Biden like as a person? He almost sounds like somebody fun that may be fun at a party kind of a guy, um, but yeah. maybe not somebody you want to, like, give the keys to your to your Ferrari <laughs> or give the key or the password to your storage uh, bin. Uh, maybe not right. somebody, you know, so but what is he like as a person? Like, did he uh, did he know you by name? Did he slap you on the back? Did he invite you uh, in for for a meal? Did he ask you about your family? Uh, is he a friendly guy? Um, I, I've heard that he can have uh, an incredible uh, temper and have outbursts, which is sort of ironic because he made this comment that anybody uh, who speaks uh, down or disrespects another person in the White House will be immediately fired on the spot. And, and I've heard rumor that he himself has that way about him, which is kind of interesting. But what was he like as a man? This is what this emailer is asking. And I'm curious as well. That's a really interesting question. You know, I wrote the book with one perspective of Joe Biden, just that what I saw and heard. But after I wrote the book, the whole laptop story came out. And frankly, it just curdles my blood. I think he was very, very corrupt. And I think he did some really disgusting things with his son, allowing his son to be a really disgusting person. And I think he was uh, either aiding and abetting him or encouraging him to be that person. I, mean, he did. I think he was knee-deep in corruption. In hindsight, when I knew him and what I wrote about in the book was this is a guy who basically was easily manipulated by foreign countries. He was and he was all bluff and bluster. So he was a guy who sort of talked tough, but really wasn't tough. Vladimir Putin showed that to me in that chapter. The Chinese knew that the Turks knew that they could push this guy around. And but on the other hand, when he spoke to Americans he had a lot of empathy. He had empathy based on, you know, his personal tragedy with his losing his, his wife and his baby daughter at a young age and sort of growing up through that in the public eye. And he also had a lot of time in office to sort of generate this kind of um, elder statesman kind of uh, persona. But behind the scenes, he, um, you know, hardworking guy worked hard. He's not that guy anymore. He doesn't have the energy he used to have. So, you know, the guy I would tell you who he was in 2016, he's not that guy. He's kind of, you know, older and kind of uh, a little bit out of it. And I mean, what, know, was he, he a nice, a was, was he a nice guy though? Like, did you like when you, 
I mean, comparing him maybe to Barack Obama, because we don't get to see these people behind the scenes when when you interacted with him and you saw him interact with other people off camera and, and out of the spotlight. Was he a nice guy or or was he not a nice guy? I mean, there was one sexual uh, allegation against him from many years ago. Uh, but I've also heard the rumor about him being sort of condescending uh, having a temper, it sounds a lot like Andrew Cuomo, honestly, uh, some right. of that. Right. Uh, did you see any of that? I, you know, he didn't know who I was by name. Um, he knew who I was by people. And I say this in the book, you know, sort of like he knew the staffers I, that I worked for. So he would see me and he only saw me on trips. I didn't go into his office all that often. Um, so and I also was, you know, sort of also doing stuff for Obama. So, you know, he wasn't like a. a personal association with him does he have a temper yes does he have a, a personal history that is kind of strange around you know he would go on this violence against women these rants about violence against women that was just kind of bizarre and he would also at times i mean i wrote about this in the book he would imitate he had this uh he did a very big promote self-promotion around his the work he did for um, gay marriage to, to get sort of the general broad acceptance of gay marriage in America. And as part of that, he would get up in front of crowds and do kind of an imitation of how America had, he would do like this sort of personal skit where he would imitate a group of people at lunch. And part of the discussion would be a gay waiter would walk up to him. Well, Joe Biden would imitate this gay waiter in the weirdest fashion. <laughs> it was almost, it was like patronizing. And frankly, he was kind of patronizing to Obama in the early years. He sure was. He was an older guy. He talked about Obama. Obama is a, a clean young guy. You know, he, he definitely was patronizing uh, towards Obama. And that might explain too why um, you know, we, we had these, you know, types of pairings. You had like Kennedy and Johnson, where there's not necessarily a lot of personal, um, you know, friendship between a president and a vice president. Sometimes it's, it's, uh, sort of to create a ticket that's electable and you've got certain strengths that you want to portray and that, that second position kind of fills in, uh, checks off some of those boxes. Um, he and Obama were, were not close. Uh, were you surprised about the, uh, the admission that he had never been once invited to the residence in eight years? No, I actually wasn't surprised about that. I mean, you know, uh, I don't, I don't think president Bush ever invited president, vice president Cheney to the residence. I don't think, um, president Trump ever invited vice president, um, uh, Pence to the residence. It's kind of a weird, you know, in the white house, there's the Oval Office, there's the West Wing, and that's where the business is done. And the residence is really the refuge of the first family. And there's so much, you're in such a fishbowl that personally, I think when the presidents and the first families finally get their chance to sort of drop, drop, you know, behind the screen and really let their hair down, they, they just want to sort of let their hair down. And 
you know, it's just a matter of going down a couple of flights of stairs. Right. And he's in the major ballroom at the White House. Yeah, there's all there's all kinds of other facilities. But I thought I had read about that Trump was bringing people like Zuckerberg in to the residence uh, because there's a part of the residence, I guess, that has a really nice dining room. And it's sort of like the honor of all honors to get uh, to sit at the table in the residence and have have a meal and that sort of thing. But uh, it, it, there's other anecdotal evidence uh, throughout your book that, that seems to support the notion that, um, you know, Obama it, just holding back his endorsement as long as he did is is certainly one thing. But um, I'm, I'm with you with the idea. And there's a, a video circulating in social media where Obama had once said uh They'd asked him if he would want to be president again, if, you know, if it were possible, if he could have a third term. And he said, no, but I, I if if I could be uh, in control or I could that person could have an earpiece and I could sort of be the proxy and tell them everything. They could be my proxy and I could tell them what I want them to do and they would do it. And the way he was describing it, it kind of gave me chills like. Is that what we're seeing right now? Because it is because because Biden has gone so far left. It's even shocking for Biden supporters that he's gone so far left. Yeah, I absolutely think that's what's going on. I mean, Biden's surrounding. It's so what you're going to see right now um, is there's actually a behind the scenes bit of a civil war in the White House. There are a lot of old Obama people that want Biden out eventually. Not right away, because he's got to get his due, but eventually. They want Kamala in there. And she's got to learn the ropes. But there's also these hardcore Biden protectors. And what's been really interesting is, if you follow the news, Neera Tandon is a hardcore Biden protector. He brought her in to have his back. He put her in the OMB, and she's out. She didn't get in. She's, uh, you know, I don't think officially she's out yet, but it looks like her appointment is going down the tubes. Yeah. That's not a good thing for Joe Biden. That shows me that Joe Biden, the Joe Biden cadre in the White House is blowing it out of the gate. They don't know what they're doing. They didn't get it done. They don't have the consensus support of the Democratic Party. If Joe Biden is the leader of the country, the leader of the Democratic Party, his person should be able to get in. And it's the Democrats that don't want her in. And so I think they're, you're right. Barack Obama is pulling the strings behind the scenes. There is a separation in the party between, you know, there, there's not a lot of pro-Biden people. There really weren't a lot of people that voted for Joe Biden because they loved his policy. <laughs> right. And he supposedly got more so, votes. You know, he supposedly got more votes than Obama and Hillary, which is kind of hard to... The process. No way. Uh, yeah. No way that happened. Yeah. All right. So final question no. is, is this, um, what about all of these stories? I don't know if you saw this. There was something that was out there and it sort of got suppressed pretty quickly, but it, it there were clips with uh, Sam Donaldson and, and a number of, you know, people back in the day, uh, Joe Biden looked much younger and he had gone out publicly and made claims about being in the top of his law school class and having, you know, multiple degrees and all these claims. And it was all totally eviscerated, like none of it was true. And it right. was so untrue. It was like not only was he not in the top of his law class, he was like almost the last person in his law class. These kinds of stories over the years uh, have happened. Um, 
do you have examples of that? Maybe one or two that you want to share with us uh, stories where the story kept changing or or the story was clearly untrue and uh, he was called on it later. I've got a, a bunch of them. I'll, I'll run through them real quick. I've heard five different versions of what he told Barack Obama the night before Barack Obama decided to, you know, uh, bring light the raid that got Osama bin Laden. I mean, you know, there was one version where he did one thing and Joe Biden, this is Joe Biden telling it. I told him to do this. <laughs> There's another version. I didn't, I told him not to do this. There's another version. I told him, wait and do this. So that's that story. And that's just a big fabrication out of him. He fabricates a lot. There was also this story he had where he would tell it, uh, he went to this Camp Bonsteel in um, Kosovo. And he was riding in this this cab with this Kosovo driver, and the guy points up to this you know this huge construction project that's just appearing out of the wooded hillside there in Kosovo. He's like, "Look, look, America!" And Biden, you know, they pull up to this checkpoint to get into the gate, and there's a group of American military there, and you know, Biden would describe it. one was a black major, one was a female uh, Hispanic sergeant. Well. The makeup of the of the group changed whatever audience he was looking at, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, he would always change them around. And, you know, so there's – and then the, the final thing was he would get in front of a group of, of college kids. I play college football. Well, that's at, at University of Delaware. Technically, that's almost true. He never played it down in a University of Delaware uniform. He went out for the team. He practiced with the team. He got hurt. He went back to start with the team. His dad pulled him off the team because he was getting bad grades. He met a cute girl that he wound up marrying, and he never played it down. Hmm. But he would get up in front of these crowds and say, I was a college football player. <laughs> I played college football at Delaware. That's Joe Biden. But, right? you know, or at some point over the years, maybe that story could evolve to where he was the – was was the quarterback? Wasn't there something about Moot Court or something that he won the yeah. the world championship of of Moot Court, which I guess doesn't even yeah. exist? Yeah, that's what he said once. He goes, uh, "I we I won the Moot Court competition at at his his law school." He said, "You know, I, I was pretty good lawyer, but I won the Moot, you know, or something like that." I remember him saying, "I won the Moot Court competition," and it was like, "What?" Now, you know, now, yeah, and I think he said it was like the world moot court. Yeah, and I don't think anything like that exists. Now, one last question, and of course, it was a tragedy for him to lose his first wife and and a, and a daughter in a car accident, which was an absolute tragedy for anybody to have to go through that. But there was some strange things about that story, about that accident, that over the years, that story has evolved about what exactly happened there. Even the person driving the other vehicle, the family even had to threaten litigation for him to stop telling a version of that story. Isn't that right? Right. So that's not something I saw or heard him say. I do know that's the case based on stuff that I've read in the, you know, internet and, and information and news reporting. But basically Joe, he would talk about being really angry about it. And <laughs> I mean, some of the stuff he talked about being, he said, I would walk around Capitol Hill looking for somebody to hit, you know, that tough guy thing. I don't think he ever did that, but that's what he said. That was the anger level that he had after the accident. But he didn't do anything about it until actually 
the driver of the truck that hit his wife, that his, his wife ran a stop sign and she got broadsided by a semi truck and it killed their daughter and her. And, um, the two boys in the back seat, I guess, got really badly injured. Well, years later, and this was probably 20 years or more after the accident, the truck driver died. Well, Joe Biden started going around and telling people how he was drunk driving and the family had a, you know, get a litigation to get him to stop, to, to straighten the story out. And the press kind of said, oh, yeah, that's just Joe Biden being Joe Biden. And they just kind of poo-pooed it. But now that guy's in the White House, and he is that kind of guy. Yeah. He'll fabricate stuff. I mean, that's what he's done with his behavior, with his son, with his corruption. I mean, the corruption that he did in Ukraine and China is deep and dark. And it's going to start coming out as people look into it that are finally saying, you know what, we got to get this guy. This story's never going to end because you've got you've got the son and all of this stuff. And then you've got the brother, right? The brother is in yeah. for a penny, in for a pound. Isn't that right? Right. Right. Yeah. Jimmy. And, you know, and there's there's actually an open investigation into Jimmy Biden in Western Pennsylvania, the grand jury investigation right now. You know, wow. nobody hears about it. The press doesn't talk about it. All right, Mike, we, we're out of time, but I want you to tell people again how they can get the book and uh, tell us if you have any you know, speaking engagements coming up, uh, where they can find you on social media. Uh, take a minute or two and uh, give us some uh, some more information here that we can uh, move forward on. By the way, folks, we just scratched not even the surface of the book. I mean, there's so much more in this book. It's fascinating. A firsthand account of, of his time with Joe Biden. But uh, tell us again, the website, your social media and uh, anything else you want to share. Any more books coming, et cetera. Well, great. Thanks for that, Jim, and appreciate the talk. Um, the website is www.joebidenunauthorized.com. 10% goes to National Law Enforcement Officer Memorial Fund, and you get a, a signed copy. Uh, on, on Twitter, I'm um, at Joe Biden Unauthorized, or at, I'm sorry, at Joe Unauthorized. And um, I'm on Facebook, Mike McCormick. Um, and... Uh, I am working, I'm trying to get another book going, and it would be Hindsight 2020, Joe Biden. And uh, I do have another book called uh, 15 Years of Deplorable, a White House memoir that basically was, you know, what it was like to be in the Obama White House with the rise of Trump and how badly the media got it and how ugly it got with the way people or the cancel culture came up around the Trump victory. And, you know, everybody who's a supporter of President Trump knows how bad it has been for four years. And it seems to be getting even worse now with some of the way people are treating with the suppression on social media and stuff. So I really appreciate you having me yeah, on. No, yeah, no worries. Uh, great great to have you back. Uh, we'll have to have you back. And great to have you on tonight. And I'll definitely uh, bring you back on uh, from time to time to talk about uh, news and, and all of that uh, as things happen with uh, the Bidens. And uh, great guest. And by the way, his last name is spelled M-C-C-O-R-M-I-C. If you want to get the book, it's on Amazon or you go to his website, JoeBidenAuthorized.com. Great guest. Uh, that was a, a, a long interview, but I thought an important one and I wanted to get all of that in and uh, the book. And you know what? Support these authors, because when you buy a copy of a book like this, you move it up in the rankings 
and it uh, gets more attention. And uh, the truth is important these days. And uh, when you've been in office, public office for 47 years, 47 years, uh, Joe Biden has a history, has a track record. And it's important that the truth gets out. And uh, just kind of sitting here on pins and needles, wondering when we're going to hear more about uh, Hunter Biden and all of that. But in any case, another show in the can. Remember, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris live. Thanks for joining us. So long, everybody.